you had a baby. That's impossible. Hey, girl. You look just like your mother. Not been unleashed. We made a terrible mistake. The doomsday clock might be about out of time. You coming or what? A baby raptor? I made a promise we would bring her home. You made a promise to a dinosaur? Yeah. What? Everybody hold on to somebody. That can't be right. Is carnivore the world has ever seen. Run! See? Not so bad. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC, and we are broadcasting live right here on YouTube on Fandom Empire, and boy, oh boy, do we have a fantastic episode for you guys tonight, a very Jurassic episode, a very bitey episode, continuing our long-running and long-beloved, one of my favorite arcs that I i guess it's still an arc now. We're continuing it, the Jurassic Arc, to discuss more Jurassic Park. And uh, yeah, there's a new Jurassic Park movie, or should I say Jurassic World movie. Wait, there uh, is? If you hadn't heard already, um, and some of us have seen it once, some of us have seen it more than once, quite a few times more than once and uh it's gonna be a lot of fun talking about it i cannot wait to uh get into it but before we do that of course introductions are in order my name is ben and joining me is my good friend and co-host mr zach arnold what's up my friend 
Dude, I'm really stoked to continue something that, like you said, has been going on since basically 2014. I want to say within the first 10 episodes of IPC's Inception, uh, we were diving into talking about dinosaurs. We talked about like the first two movies, and then I did a solo episode um, talking about how those movies correlate to the books. And it just it just continued. We did a Jurassic World speculation episode about all the news and rumors and stuff surrounding the 2015 movie. Then we talked about the 2015 movie. Then we talked about Fallen Kingdom. And now here we are to uh, to talk about Dominion. So this is something that has been going on for years here on the show. And so I wanted to celebrate. This was one of my first ever fandom shirts that wasn't related to Star Wars. Wow. This this, this was one of my first shirts. For a long time, I had a whole bunch of like, uh, use the force, Luke, or one of those generic um, Walmart shirts with like Yoda on it or something. And those had been my fandom shirts for the longest time. One day at the community college that I was going to, I was like, you know what? I'm a really big fan of Jurassic Park. I'm going to go to Amazon and see if they have a Jurassic Park shirt. Turns out, they did. And so I've had this thing for like, I don't know, six, seven years, something like that, like about as long as I've been doing this podcast. And then uh, back in 2019, right before COVID shut everything down, uh, we went out to uh, Hollywood to go see Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And we had to go to Universal Studios. And so I ended up getting a Jurassic World hat. Remember that. From Universal Studios. And we went on the raft ride and got splashed by the Mosasaurus. Like, that was such a fun day, and I had almost as much fun um, being a part of this movie. And I'm going to get to that and what I mean in just a second. But but you're in the movie? What? I wasn't like in the movie. I didn't make a cameo, but I contributed to other people's experiences. Is what I did. There you go. Because my buddy Mondo, who's been on this show before, he's done reviews with us. He was on Jedi Pod back in 2017. Um, he and I have been doing like Jurassic Park themed dress up for a while. And it's called cosplay for you nerds and you Neanderthals out there. It's not like Costume we're play. It's not, not like we're playing house and we're dressing up for it. No, we we have like an intent. We have a purpose. He is the height and relative shape of Dennis Nedry from the original 93 film. And so he puts on one of those big rubber coats like Dennis wears in the movie and carries a Barbasol can around. And I will get up in a denim shirt with slacks and yellow boots and a big, you know, wide brimmed hat. And I've got a bottle opener that's shaped like a raptor claw. So I will dress up as Alan Grant. And the two of us went to different movie screenings around the Dallas Fort Worth area. And hung out in the lobby and took pictures with fans that were going to see the movie. So that's amazing. That was really fun. We didn't get invited by any of those theaters like other people do with movie screenings. Like they invite professional cosplayers to come out and they bring the Jeep and all that stuff. We don't have a Jeep. We just have fun. And we had a lot of fun watching these movies and experiencing them with a whole variety of, of different people. Um, some of them are like hardcore fans like we were. And some of them just wanted to go see a summer flick and just happened to see a couple of people that were dressed up. And so it was it was a very broad spectrum, but no less of an enjoyable time. That's that's so great. That, I mean, and that's great of you to be so generous to, like, just hang out and, uh, you know, get pictures with people because, like, 
you know, for for those of us who've like done the Comic Con thing, you know, to see up someone out in the wild cosplaying as a certain character, it's not, it's still great, but it's not as big of a deal. But if you've never done Comic Con, you've never been out in, you know, you've never gone to a movie premiere like we have, mm-hmm. you know, you've it's mind blowing to see like, Oh my God, it's Dennis Nedry. Oh my mm-hmm. God. You know, I remember the first time I saw a stormtrooper, you know, in, in the real life. I'm like, it's, yeah. a, it's a stormtrooper. What? This is so good. Yeah. Like, it's just, there's nothing that can quite, you know, quantify that. So dude, that- I, so tomorrow I'm going to fan expo Dallas, which is oh, like yeah. Dallas comic con. I'm not dressing up because I couldn't get enough passes. Actually the company I work for, is going to be providing a service at the comic con so i get to go in for free which is pretty cool so i'm going to be on call for my job even though they're probably not going to actually call me in but i'm going to be available and then my fiance and i are going to walk the floor and you know kind of explore it'll be her first comic con it'll be like my fourth or fifth or something like that oh that's great so it should be a lot of fun but this time i'm not dressing up but last time we did and my dad just happens to have the white bearded features and the white shirt that if we take my prop replica cane that I just keep on display at my house, he ends up looking a lot like John Hammond. <laughs> He's looked so much like him. It's ridiculous. And the three of you together is just like, it oh was my so gosh. fun. It was so fun because the, the people from, Jurassic World the exhibition were at the previous Comic Con because it was um, they were doing an exhibit here in Dallas where you could like walk through and experience Jurassic Park related things Um, and so they had an animatronic blue that people could take pictures with oh my gosh and when word of mouth got around that there were Jurassic Park cosplayers they went and found us brought us to the front of the line so that we could take pictures with Blue for their promo stuff and for our sake too. Oh, so that was that was pretty fun. They, I think they're in Colorado now, but uh, when they were in town, it was a hell of a lot of fun. Alex, you are completely right. Um, the books are very different from the movies, and that is something that I addressed in my solo episode that I still to this day regret having done. <laughs> like seven but, eight years but ago. you've referenced it so many times i encourage everyone to go back and listen to it we need to do like a rerun episode where all we do is just replay that episode for people to listen to because it is one of the most awkward things you will ever listen to you've got to have two people on a podcast like you've got to have two people and they've got to have good chemistry doing a solo podcast is so so tough it's dangerous. and i i learned that the hard way so uh, if you're still with us, be sure to hit that like button. Be sure to subscribe to Phantom Empire so that you know exactly when this show goes live and when their other shows go live. There's a new podcast, a Game of Thrones related podcast that I'm going to be a part of that's debuting next week. So we got a lot of really cool content in the works and a really great discussion tonight. As we usually do here on IPC, Ben, I suggest that we start with some spoiler free thoughts. Naturally. And then after we we kind of give like our initial impressions and some things like that, we can dive deeper into spoilery territory um you've only seen it the one time correct just the once okay i've seen it four times (laughs) i saw it i I saw it it, i saw it thursday night i saw it friday night i saw it saturday afternoon and then i saw it sunday at lunchtime so i saw it four times in four days in four different theaters in four different formats i saw it in imax 3d dolby and 2d 
So I've gotten like this whole spectrum of viewing perspectives uh, for this film. Got a lot of thoughts on that. Um, but I want to hear your thoughts because y- you've only sent like a couple of messages in the various group chats that we've been a part of. What's your takeaway from this third and final installment of this trilogy and what has been labeled the conclusion of the saga? Yeah. So, and, and, and as you said, we'll keep it spoiler free for a few minutes. No, I know some people have not had a chance to see it. It was, it was actually a miracle that I had a chance to see it because I've had a crazy <laughs> week, but I uh, made a point. I have, I was you have to do that in order to have this type of discussion, you know? Yeah, exactly. It would have been real awkward um, to come in and go, I haven't seen the movie guys. Um, <laughs> but yes, I have seen Jurassic world dominion and I have to say, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I'm not saying it's even like in my top two Jurassic Park movies or even top three. Um, I'm not sure where I would rank it. I don't it's not at the top for sure. Hmm. But you know, I think again I, I you know I, I feel like after only seeing Oh you one, did hate it. <laughs> look, even if it was <laughs> at the bottom, it's still better than like ninety percent of other movies out there, okay? Um because I look I have a I have a I have a general affinity for the jurassic franchise being in your vicinity being in your or your orbit has made me more of a jurassic park fan and uh i didn't mean it like that um (laughs) hey i have lost four pounds in the last week shut up there you go go. (laughs) um but you know being around you has just made give me more appreciation for these movies even the ones that people hate like jurassic park 3 i'm i'm like Hey, it's actually not that bad. It's goofy. It's kind of stupid, but I mean, there's some good parts to it. And you know, I've I end up in the in the defense camp. So this movie, like, it has a lot going on. It I think if you look into this, and I, I've I've followed some Jurassic Park channels over the years and watched all the videos and stuff like that, and the Jurassic Park lore is very deep and it goes way back. And 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 this movie references all of it like it's it's referencing jurassic park 3 openly several times there's care i mean there's a several moments that are directly referencing that movie plus lost world plus the other jurassic world movies like it's all it's a culmination of all that and it's not just you know it's not a spoiler to say that like all the casts are in here like we have the older cast oh yeah cast in the trailers that's not a spoiler and they're not this isn't a cameo this isn't Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum. They do not have cameos. They are full-blown mm-hmm. parts of the plot. They have active roles. Uh, they have huge active roles throughout mm-hmm. the entire film. Mm-hmm. And it I mean this movie for what it is, it is the end of both trilogies. It is the culmination of both trilogies and it's kind of a a swan song to kind of all the characters but especially the original cast. Not to say that we won't ever see them again, um, but I think this was like a satisfying conclusion to their arcs, and I, I think they treated them with a lot of respect. Um, there's a lot of fan service, a lot of callbacks, a lot of things that you will go like, I get what they're going through here. He's doing the thing. He said the thing, and I got it. And some of them may roll your eyes, but you know, it's it's it, it is what it is. I'm not someone who uses fan service as as a dirty word i think you know there are some things in here that may be a little bit more egregious but ultimately it's giving the fans what they expect what they want 
and I think it's great. I think this movie services the the Jurassic World characters. Um, you have you know Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, you know they're back in all their glory. They're amazing. Um, and you know the story is is all over the place. There's a lot going on in this movie. I think just getting just just understanding the plot fully i'll probably have to watch it a couple more times because mm-hmm. it's very deep and very complex yeah. there's a lot going on and yeah. all the lore and stuff like that and maybe that's my only complaint is that it is like very complex and very like it's not as maybe bare bones as it could be um all of these movies have always been pretty deep and even the first movie you know it's about oh it's dinosaurs and whatever it's not that complex but you look beyond that and obviously there's more going on that's i think any good movie has that mm-hmm. um it's not the best of the franchise it's not the worst of the franchise by far not the worst of the franchise um it's got some really great moments i think some really great dinosaur moments some great human moments and overall i think i think it wraps up the trilogy pretty well um it's obviously been has some scathing reviews i don't know where these people are coming from honestly i don't see it as that I'm not going to sit here and rave on it as some masterpiece, but I'm definitely not going to um, dog it as the worst piece of cinema ever because it's not. It's It's got its flaws. It's got its drawbacks. But overall, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a fun ride, and I really am looking forward to seeing it again sometime. Yeah, well, okay, so here's the problem. There are only 337 critic reviews. Ooh. Only 337 of what Rotten Tomatoes considers like verified critics. And those 337 give it around 30% is what Rotten Tomatoes is showing right now. However, 10,000 plus, over 10,000 audience reviews Mm. have it sitting closer to 78% which I feel like is a lot more accurate to what this movie is and represents. And what's really weird is like the critic consensus. It says it might be a bit of an improvement over its immediate predecessors in some respects, but this franchise has lumbered a long way down from its classic start. Here's my issue with that statement. And this is this is an issue that I have taken with friends and internet strangers alike. <laughs> it is asinine to compare a movie from 2022 to a lightning in the bottle masterpiece of nearly 30 years ago. Yeah. Do you really think it is a legitimate gripe? To look at something that was state-of-the-art and near perfection 30 years ago and say, oh, well, this movie is not the cinematic masterpiece that this one is. Therefore, it sucks. That is so stupid. That, That is the consensus. And that is the thing that confuses the heck out of me. People are looking at it for what it is not rather than for what it is. And for me personally, sticking to the non-spoilery territory for a few more minutes, for me personally, I was satisfied. I I wasn't blown away. I wasn't mesmerized. uh, I wasn't enraptured. But I was satisfied. 
It is a satisfying conclusion to the trilogy. It is a satisfying conclusion to the storylines that we have been following for 29 years. And it is a fun ride. And I, I, I saw another complaint that talked about how nobody got eaten in the opening sequence. <laughs> um, okay, nobody got eaten in the Lost World. The little girl got bitten, but she didn't get eaten. And nobody got eaten in Jurassic Park 3 either. And unless I'm mistaken, I don't remember anybody being eaten in the opening sequence of Jurassic World either. Like, literally, it's the 93 film and Fallen Kingdom that are the only two movies where somebody dies in the opening sequence. And I don't the, see that the Fallen a... Kingdom scene is supposed to be a homage to the original movie. Like, it's not meant to be like, oh, this is in every movie. It's just supposed to be an homage for that one movie. And this whole movie, to an, ex to, to an extent, is an homage to the original film in one mm -hmm. way or another. And it's also an homage to what happened in the Battle of Big Rock. It's an homage to what happened in Fallen Kingdom. It's an homage um, to to the the original 2015 movie and how uh, how much the characters have grown and developed. And so, I just I feel like it's not very fair to to try and compare this movie to any of its predecessors because it is its own film and at the same time has a little bit of of things that are representative of all the movies as well. Um, Alex makes a point that in JP three there's two people on the boat that get eaten. I don't remember seeing them get actually eaten. They just disappear from the boat. And it's very it's very weird because you're like the boat's like speeding across the thing and then he just disappears. Like wait wait what happened? Like it's, yeah, the, it's, kind, the, of, it's the kind of a weird thing. Are still in the enclosure. And there's no seafaring creatures aside from the Spinosaurus, which I think we would have seen, but they held off on showing it to us until later. So I may have to go back and watch that opening scene again. But my point still stands. Yeah. There's there's very little. If it if it's that vague, Alex, then I feel like my point still stands that that wasn't the centerpiece of that sequence. In the original Jurassic Park movie, that one gatekeeper getting attacked by the Velociraptor, that's what the whole scene is built around. In Fallen Kingdom, the one dude trying to, you know, reboot the gate, getting eaten, that's what the whole scene is built around. The scene in Jurassic Park 3 is built around the the two in the glider losing connection to their boat and being trapped on a deadly island. But what is his name? Ben? I think it's Ben, isn't it? Maybe. The guy that, that's with Eric. I don't think he gets eaten. Because his corpse is still stuck in the hang glider, so yeah, like even even that fellow doesn't doesn't necessarily get eaten unless they like rip some of his flesh off and left his bones hanging, kind of like a like a spinning cone of meat that you see at a Greek store or at a taqueria. But right. like that's that's not what the Jurassic Park movies are supposed to be about. Like there are certain scenes that are tone setters, but to have that expectation of every movie. I don't remember people complaining when Jurassic World didn't have somebody getting eaten in the first couple of minutes. Like, yeah, like the the uh, the first scenes, especially in the first movie, is like it's a, it's a it's a tone setter for like 
it's kind of like a subversion, actually. It's not really a setting the tone. It's kind of giving you what you expect. It's kind of like a horror movie opening with, oh, it's Jason Voorhees. He's running after somebody. And then it flashes forward to just people going about their lives normally. Right. That's kind of like you go into a movie called Jurassic Park and you're like, oh, it's got to be dinosaurs eating people. And it gives you that. And it kind of yeah. gives you that that release. And then it goes into oh, here's the wonder of dinosaurs. Here's this amazing thing. And, and then in- how long is it before someone else in the movie gets eaten? Like, does it take us to Dennis? Like, does it take us until yeah. Dennis before we see yeah. somebody else get eaten? Yeah, it's like, not until, like, things start going south with on the island during the hurricane that mm-hmm. we start getting some more deaths so so here's here's a fun factoid i don't know if it's super fun but one time i saw a jurassic park in concert where they had a symphony Ooh. playing john williams's score throughout the course of the movie that was playing on a screen above them and in order to give the orchestra an intermission um it they like edited the film almost and created an intermission in the middle of the film when the hurricane is happening and it went to intermission when Mr. Arnold, Ray Arnold, says, I can't get Jurassic Park back online without Dennis Nedry. So that is considered the intermission. That is the midpoint of the film. Wow. And and Dennis does not die until after. Wow. So so there is not another death in the original Jurassic Park until more than halfway through the film. You get it in the opening scene, and then there's no death until more than halfway done. And still, it's not a bloodbath like you have, like what three people die throughout that whole experience. It's just, it's it's four if you count the gatekeeper at the beginning. Sure. So you have the gatekeeper in the in the opening, and then you have Muldoon, Nedry, and Arnold, right? Right. So a total of four dead in that movie. Um, but it's not about it's not about that. It's about the terror of like. The right. impending doom of of and, dinosaurs. And and let me let me ask you this. It's it's a different situation. It's not an island that they're on in this movie. Right. But there is a semblance of isolation that you are alone with these creatures. Did you still feel that intimidation in this movie that it is man versus beast in an isolated environment? Did it give that similar vibe that the Elon Nublar experience did? I mean, it's definitely there's definitely a point in the movie where they go to a certain location. You're like, okay, this is where this is where the third act's going to happen. This is this is where everything's going to go down. Um, and it is without being an island, it's still kind of an isolated part of the world where they're at, where a lot of dinosaurs are. That becomes kind of the staging ground for the final act and what goes down, and a lot of people dying and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I think I think it and I think it works. Um, but you know, it is kind of like it's a different kind of setting, and you're also dealing with, you know, dinosaurs are everywhere now. You know, you mm-hmm. can you know, they kind of go for that at the beginning of the movie, um, not giving away any spoilers, but you know, it kind of sets the stage from where Fallen Kingdom left off mm-hmm. in regards to the state of the world and things are not going great because things are happening and all right. this stuff. Um, but it's not about like it's not about se- like setting the tone is not about, oh, we need a scene where someone's being chased by a dinosaur 
Or getting eaten off the toilet, like I completely forgot to mention about the '93 film. I think, honestly, I think the reason the reason it's it's being that like, I guess for lack of a better term, like a classic Jurassic Park opening scene is missing. That was going to be the uh, the the prologue that they actually cut from the movie and mm-hmm. released it online because the movie was delayed for so long. They yeah. just put it online, so. If you're missing that scene, just go watch it on YouTube, guys. It's there. Um, but it, it that scene ends with the whole scene at the, the drive-in where mm-hmm. Tyrannosaurus Rex comes in and, and, and does his does her thing. Um, but like, and going back to your earlier comments, like it's just it is absurd to think about, like, go, okay, let's take this. Yes, it's in the same franchise, but let's just take that away for a second. Go like you're taking this new movie and comparing it to what is truly considered to be one of the greatest films of all time probably one of the one of the crowning achievements of human history you're going to compare it to that movie and you're going to go uh it wasn't better than that thing it wasn't better than jurassic park so it sucks what what are you doing like i get i get like i think at this point let's just admit none of them are going to top jurassic park that's never going to happen, okay? It's you said it's lightning in a bottle. So let's just try to enjoy it for what it is as a continuation, as a sequel, not as a movie that's trying to top the original. That's not going to happen. So just get over it. I don't think anybody would see like The Godfather Part 3 topping Godfather Part 2. There's very few people out there that would say Return of the Jedi tops Empire Strikes Back. Right. There's very few people out there who look at a movie that continues a franchise and and says it was better than than this lightning in a bottle piece that we got. And and I, and I don't mean to overuse that term, but that's truly what the 1993 film is. Yeah. It is it is up there with citizen kane for me as far as upper echelon cinema and to to try and make those comparisons is is just it's it's disrespectful to the 93 film and it's disrespectful to this film right the lack of death in jurassic world is supposed to set the tone of hope since the park is open and incident free very true alex thank you yeah um, I, I forgot about the original jurassic world which is kind of it do, mm-hmm. also is not about every i mean it's not it, it, when you start like making movies and like checking boxes of like we have to have this this and this it it starts to show and it's not good um you know making a movie and putting things in it that makes sense that's the way to do it and I think for the most part, I think Dominion does that pretty well. It's it's not your typical Jurassic Park movie. It's not trying to check any boxes. Um, it's just continuing the story mm-hmm. and doing so in a way that, you know, kind of expands the universe, but also kind of brings things full circle. Um, is it is it a spoiler to say who the villain is? I guess I guess it is. The, Are, the human villain or the dino the villain? The human, human villain. 
That might be a little spoiler, but we're, I'll, we're I'll, almost, say, I'll save that. I'll, I'll save that for for a couple more. We're, we're almost into spoilery territory because I haven't really given my initial impressions on the movie itself. I just keep attacking all these people who are attacking the movie. Like, well, okay. you, I'm just, you just focus on what you thought of the movie. And then after I that, do. we'll kind of go into spoilers. I'm just like violently defending this thing because I'm like, screw you. But um, I... Like I said earlier, I'm satisfied with this movie. I enjoyed it. Um, and I I did not get sick of it. Uh, you would think that seeing it four times in four days, you would get sick of seeing a movie. But uh, I yeah. knew that I was, I was in for an experience, even if it wasn't like my favorite movie of the franchise. I knew that I would be in for an experience. And I really did have a fun experience with all of my viewings. And I, I really think, and I don't, I don't consider this a spoiler. I really think one of the best performances we got in this movie was Bryce Dallas Howard. I man, she is, she gets run through the ringer and she's so good. I loved Claire's character development and, and the way that she carries herself in this film. Um, I love the variety of dinosaurs. I counted at one point, and this is maybe a mild spoiler, but I counted 16 different species that were either a prominent fixture in a scene or the scene was referencing them slash about them. 16 different species. This is a very dinosaur-heavy movie. And so for those of you that want a lot of species and want a lot of, of dino action, this movie is for you. If you're looking for writing that's similar to, like, The Shape of Water, you're not going to get it. Okay? If you're, if you're looking for writing that's similar to Seven or Shutter Island, or you want um, the the intrigue of Nightmare Alley or something like that, you're you're just you're not gonna get it from this movie. I this do is think not, this is not peak cinema. Don't go in expecting that. Well, but I think the problem is because one of the films in the franchise is peak cinema, it becomes the gold standard for everything else in the franchise. Oh, for sure. And, and and I think that is the trap that people fall into is they set the same standard for everything moving forward. I think Star Wars has fallen victim to that. I think it happened to the Hobbit franchise after the Lord of the Rings got so many critical acclaims in the early 2000s. I feel like the Hobbit films were panned because they didn't live up to the Lord of the Rings expectations. There's a lot of sci-fi and fantasy franchises that suffer from that same problem. And this franchise is no different. Do I think it's the best movie in the franchise? Hell no. Do I think it's the second best? No. But I do put it at three out of six. Okay. Uh, after seeing it, after seeing it as many times as I did, I would I would put it third out of the six Jurassic feature films, just behind the 2015 Jurassic World, and just in front of the Lost World. Okay. That's that's where I that's where I have it. And I really don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, but I also don't know if I see myself going to see it again anytime soon, because there's a lot of other movies coming out. I just saw Lightyear last night. 
There's there's Lightyear Ooh. coming out. You're also going to have Nope. You're going to have Thor. You're going to have Minions, The Rise of Gru. You're going to have um, Bullet Train with Brad Pitt. Like, there's a lot of summer flicks coming out this year. I'm not mentioning Top Gun because I have no interest in Top Gun, but Top Gun is really? out. Really? I have, I, have zero. People, I have people coming up to me in real life going, you have to see Top Gun. Have you zero. seen Maverick? <laughs> zero interest. <laughs> zero. Like, negative a billion. I, I don't care I, for I Tom Cruise. I thought we were going to talk about in two weeks. Come on, I, man. I don't, I don't care for Tom Cruise. I don't care for, <laughs> like, dog fights. Like, the only dog fight I ever cared about was the trench run in A New Hope. Literally, that's the only time I've ever cared about one. Any other time, not not really that interested. I've See, heard a lot of it's a masterpiece. It's a, how are you going to miss on a masterpiece? Come on. Congratulations, Entertainment Wizard. You've been swindled by Hollywood. <laughs> oh, oh, this is personal. <laughs> no, it's not. It's really not. I just it, that that's the beauty of cinema is some things resonate really, really well with people and some things just aren't even on their radar. It wasn't something that I was very interested in. It was never like it, it never had a premise that I really wanted to go see. So I'm just not going to spend my time on it. But I'm glad to hear that you know, you didn't like get tired because that's actually a question I think I asked you in, in, the, in the group chat was like, are you getting tired of it? Because I've been hearing about this whole, this whole plan you had and it sounded very exciting, mm -hmm. um, but you didn't know how, what you'd think about the movie bef before you bought your tickets. Right. So, you know, watching and it four times in a row is a lot. I've done that with Star Wars movies before mm -hmm. and some Star Wars movies. I've been like, yeah, I saw it six times and went to see it six more times. And then other Star Wars movies, <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, um, <laughs> is, uh, I saw it four times and I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I've had enough, you know, and, you know, I, I'm glad to hear. And I'm also in the camp. I've seen it once. I'm like, I would like to see it again. I think I'd, I really yeah. love to see it again. If I had a chance, if there wasn't so many movies out and if I had more time, I would go see it in the theater again, honestly, because personally, personally, I feel like two is the sweet spot because the first time you're taking it all in the second time you're able to better appreciate the intricacies of the storytelling. Because there are some intricacies that I want to get into. And uh, we're mm -hmm. over a half hour into the discussion. So I feel like we're pretty close to being able to go into spoilery territory. Right. We'll, we'll um, start we'll, light and then we'll, we'll we'll get we'll go full spoilers here. OK, guys. So, for, you, you know, if you if you have not like I don't think we're going to ruin the movie for you. I don't think there's anything that's like gargantuan. There's no really big death scenes like I I thought I thought we might lose one of the main cast. I thought I honestly thought Owen might bite it, honestly. Um, but none thought, of the none of the big six died. So, you know, there's no there's no big spoilers there. I thought for a moment we would lose Owen. I thought for a moment we might lose Alan. And oh, yeah. And I thought for a moment we might lose Ian. So there were there was, there, a, were... there was some hairy moments with Ian. When there he were was like when he was doing the whole thing with the again callbacks with the with the with the torch. Hey, oh, I'm like, oh, oh yes. god, oh god, is he? Oh really? yes, it's like but it you've was... done this once. You did. You were an idiot the first time you did this. When you grabbed the flare and start flinging it around, you almost got killed doing that with the T Rex. Mm -hmm. um, now you're doing it again with this guy. Yeah, but what's different is he found a way to weaponize it. 
And instead of running and serving as a distraction, he goes on the offensive. And I loved that about him, that he wasn't just trying to save people. He was like trying to attack and, and Papa, uh, Papa Goldblum is like the best Goldblum ever. (laughs) He's so good. That is one of the most gnarly moments. Most epic moments in any Jurassic Park movie is when he throws that spear into his mouth and that thing starts fire breathing. That is so gnarly. It reminded me so much of certain scenes from Game of Thrones. Uh, I enjoyed that sequence so much because when he actually roars and the fire is coming out of his mouth, I was like, oh my God, I'm not watching Jurassic Park. I'm watching Game of Thrones. It was, it was so. It was so much fun. It was so, so much fun to see that. And then the 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 group makes it into the enclosure. They think they're safe. Nope. He just like chomps his way through the glass and goes back on the attack. And I'm just like, oh crap, I thought we could take a breath. Time for me to gasp again. And I'm just like, oh that whole sequence kind of took my breath away, literally and figuratively. Yeah, that like, and it keeps like getting to the point, and like I had never, I what was the name of the dinosaur? I forgot. Giganotosaurus. Giga, the Giga, yeah, I was. Giga. Uh, yeah, it's a really I, I like the Giga whatever. It's yeah, it's it's that's a that's a neat name. Um, I, and I'm just I'm not a dinosaur person, so like I don't know any of the names. But I'm like Giga, that sounds badass, and he is like, and that whole thing, that whole sequence is just like. You know, oh, they're inside. No, they're in inside. He's busting out the windows, and then, then oh, it almost falls out. And then uh, Claire's legs get you know like tied up in the thing, and she almost gets pulled out. And it's just like, oh my god! It's like it's 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 again gnarly. Like it's so you know, and and you're you're on the edge of your seat because like this is this whole band, but like any of these people could die. Like you know, mm-hmm. this this would be the moment. <laughs> Claire, Claire could have been pulled into a mouth. Owen could have been chomped in half. Um, Ian could have been eaten if he, you know, missed the throw with the with the fire dart. Like there was a lot of sense of peril um, in that scene, and I think that's one of the things that I actually enjoyed about this film is that there's a lot of that type of intensity in there um, that makes you feel like something could happen. And then you feel that sense of relief when something doesn't happen. That is very 93 Jurassic Park that you, you see like, like after, after the, the Rex turns the Ford Explorer upside down and they have to go into the tree. You've got basically the car falling out of the tree, chasing you and they've got the intense music and you're running away. (coughs) Excuse me. No problem. But then you feel relief when nothing happens to them you have the scene where they are running with the gallimimus and then one of the gallimimus gets eaten by the t-rex like there is some intensity in there but also some relief when nothing happens i'm not saying that this movie does it as well as jurassic park but i definitely see where they were going with it and how they were trying to approach it and i appreciate it and I respect that they are not just referencing the classic film, but they are like paying their respects to it in a different yet 
approachable and understandable way. Yeah, it it and it was a you know kind of this whole out of the out of the pot into the fire type mm-hmm. of scenario. This very um, which is very very much in that's, the same vein as that's as the very Jurassic movie. Park. That's very, very Jurassic much. Park. Like the, the 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 bullet train breaks down in the amber caves, and a few of them are able to to get away, only to find that the gate is closed, and they're like, "Oh shoot, we didn't actually get away yet." The gate opens, they get in the Jeep. Five minutes later, they're face-to-face with the Giga. So it's like, okay, we we escaped the Dimetrodons, I think is what they're called, the, the shorter ones with the fins. It's like, we escaped them just in time to meet the Giga a few minutes later. And so, so fitting to have the original cast meet the new cast by... Rolling down a hill in a jeep and landing upside down, <laughs> like if was, that's not Jurassic Park, I don't know what is. It was so fitting. It was so appropriate, and I guess that that brings me to another thing that um, is is worth mentioning in the in this film is the cohesive nature that they blended these two storylines together. Mm-hmm. Like for the longest time, you've got separate adventures going on because. Um, Maisie gets kidnapped and Owen and Claire are trying to save her. On the other side of things, Alan and Ellie and Ian have something going on at Biosyn that they're trying to solve, like a like almost like a Scooby-Doo type mystery that they're trying to solve. Right. It's it's not even related to the dinosaurs, but they still encounter the dinosaurs. And so you've got a kidnapping that's going on in one side of things. You've got a mystery that you're trying to solve on the other side of things. Neither of them directly relate to dinosaurs. And yet they converge at a dinosaur game preserve, essentially. Right. So I, I guess this is one thing that people could critique and I would see where they're coming from. But this movie isn't really dinosaur movie it's like an action adventure mystery movie with dinosaurs in it it's the most action heavy i think of all jurassic park movies it is straight up you know you have the whole sequence in malta i think it's malta um yep malta that's an action movie right there yeah just that's like james bond james bond with dinosaurs like that's straight up what it is Okay, but did you dislike that or did you like that? No, I think it was good. I think I think it was something. Because a lot of people are complaining about it. There's a lot of people well, that are like, I didn't want that in my Jurassic movie. And I'm like, how the hell could you not want that in your Jurassic movie? I get I get from one this is one perspective to play devil's advocate here. I get the idea of well, I don't I think Jurassic Park is this wondrous movie about dinosaurs and humans relationship and whatever else. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be dumbed down to, you know, a, a just a straight up action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would get that complaint. I don't think it does that. I think it, it actually introduces something new. I think putting some actiony elements into it and doing something that's like, okay, let's take your average james bond movie and mix in some dinosaurs with jurassic park that's an interesting idea that's inventive that's doing something that's i've never seen before i 
the thing is, it's just like I am always impressed. They've been making movies for about, I don't know, 120 years at this point. At least. At least. Like, I've seen a lot of them. I've seen maybe 1% of all the movies ever made. I've seen <laughs> a lot of stuff. And, like, if I can go into a theater and see something that I've never seen before, that's mm-hmm. impressive. That impresses yeah. me. Anytime I see something, I'm like, okay, that's... That's wild. That's something that's just completely new that I never thought of, and they mm. did it. That's yep. that's interesting to me. So, like when they do this, I'm like, yeah, you can you can say from one perspective that's not cool, but I think it is cool because it's doing something that the franchise has never done before. And I think one of the strengths of these Jurassic World movies is like taking this into a new era and doing something different with it, and not just like oh. We're going. We're finding another excuse to go back to the island. No, the <laughs> island doesn't doesn't exist anymore. We're we're past that. Dinosaurs are everywhere. They gave and, us like literal closure by having the volcano explode. It's like we cannot go back here. We are not going back. <laughs> Deal yeah, with it. One of the one of the best like marketing slogans ever. Like for a movie is like they went from Jurassic World. The park is open. This hopeful match. The park is open to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. The park is gone. <laughs> the park yeah. is gone. Like, park is wow. gone. It's not. It's not going. It is gone. Se fue. It's gone. Now it's like what park? Like what park? Mm-hmm. It's just it's you know this is this is where we're at. Well, so, and that's that's why they called it World. Like we've been talking about this since 2015. Yes, it's an allusion to Disney World by calling it Jurassic World. Oh, that's what that's what the 2015 movie was about. But as soon as Maisie hit the button in Fallen Kingdom, it became a world of dinosaurs. It is a literal Jurassic World. And I I, I guess what makes this movie different, there's a lot of things that make it different. But the thing that makes this movie different is people are learning how to live with dinosaurs in their world towards the end of the movie you see a little girl in washington dc feeding a small dinosaur the way you would feed a duck if you were around right now like dinosaurs are just a part of their world it's a part of their existence sometimes you have really really terrible things happen like at the battle of big rock and then sometimes you have small little intimate moments where you're feeding a dinosaur or selling them on the black market like All of the things that we see in this movie are entirely plausible based on what this what what this world that we live in is like right now. Yeah, I think I think if anything, if I had a criticism about like the whole action orientation of this, I would say that there wasn't enough stuff like what was going on in Malta. I think that whole scene, all those scenes were really interesting, not just from a action perspective of like. I've never seen a never seen a guy on a motorcycle run away from a dinosaur in a European city mm-hmm. with that with that that tan filter over the lens like they always do in Europe um, for movies. And then, but like, I also like the whole thing when they go into like that shady underground thing, and there's like there's dinosaurs, Ooh. and there's fight clubs, and everything like that. Yes. And it goes right back to the the underlying message of these movies about mm. how humans 
freaking screw up things and misuse things and their whole yes. misuse of technology. Now yes. dinosaurs have been brought back into the world, and guess what? Humans are misusing them. They're selling them. They're doing all these horrible things to them and you know, abusing them. That's the core they're message of these movies is that you know, that is it's corruption and and the fact that like there's no going back from this. There's mm -hmm. no like they can't fix it. They can't like, right. oh, you know, we're just going to shoot all the dinosaurs and we're going to get rid of them. They can't do that. They're, the dinosaurs right. are part of the world now. They just right. have to move on and live with it. Right. Right. And and the way that they move on and the way that they live with it is any of them that they can capture, they send to Italy to the preserve. But any that they can't, they're just they're coexisting. They're living with them. They're trying to figure out what to do. And according to the movie, the entire black market trade goes through Malta. And anytime somebody wants to buy, sell, trade, fight with, do anything with one of these creatures, it goes through Malta. So this is like the hub of the dinosaur underground that we're seeing here. And it is freaking awesome. Like, not only is the is the chase scene fun, but being able to to see the seedy nature of man and how they exploit these creatures like instead of instead of dogs you've got dinosaurs fighting each other yeah. you know instead of exotic birds you've got exotic dinosaurs that are being sold instead of you know like a tiger or a lion in a cage they've got like an allosaurus you know like all of these things are completely plausible and within the scope of what this movie and what this world is supposed to be about. And I respected that so much because like you said, I don't think Jurassic Park has ever. Did you hear that? No, I heard something. I don't Did think Jurassic Park. Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's a, it's a ghost named uh, my fiance. Um, Jurassic Park, in my opinion, has never been a dinosaur movie. Nothing in the franchise has ever truly been a dinosaur movie. It has always been a cautionary tale about the hubris of man. Yep. Boom. It has always been you, you took something and you turned it into something for capitalist venture. In the original movie, they're turning it into a theme park. In the second movie, they're trying to capture them and turn it into a theme park again. In the third movie, you see the labs of Site B and you hear Alan say, this is how you play God. In the fourth movie, they have actually successfully turned it into a park. It has statistics. It has revenue. It has advertising and promotions. It has... A, a functioning business model, and yet it's not enough. They want to take that genetic power and they're going to splice it and make hybrids. Well, hey, guess what? The Indominus is a cautionary tale that you shouldn't freaking do that! And then in Fallen Kingdom, it's a cautionary tale again about the prideful nature of man's supposed belief that they have control over nature. And all it took was the push of one button 
and the world changed forever. Instead of them going to warlords and crime lords and black market dealers, it, th- these creatures got exposed to the whole world. And now that they are in the whole world, you again feel like you possess power within your hands, within your genetic makeup to control the world's food sources? Because that's what the locusts are about. Yeah, The locusts are, again, man's attempt to manipulate genetics for capitalist venture. You kill all of the competition's crops, and suddenly the only thing left is the seed that you distribute to farmers. It's not about using dinosaurs to make a theme park, but it is still about using genetics for capitalist gain. And that's what one of the main plots is about. The whole Alan and Ellie and Ian plot is about them trying to expose that man's hubris getting in the way of making the world a better place. And in my opinion, this world needs it now more than ever. Yeah. Because the dinosaurs are loose. And yet this is what Biosyn is going off and doing with their with their money and their scientists and their influence. They're they're being greedy all over again, just in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, Fallen Kingdom sets all this up. It sets up this perfect storm of events with the auction, with, you know, the the fact that it, it isn't just, you know, Maisie pushing the button at the end. It's. They've all these shady people have bought all these dinosaurs and are shipping them off to different parts of the world. Right. Maisie just sets them free, which was the right thing to do. And so going forward from that, you're already setting up for, okay, there's some shady stuff that's going to go down. And then that is brought to the full force of that. I mean, it could have been, I don't know, you could have gone to any number of different stories. I feel like there's a million different stories now you could tell in this world with dinosaurs and humans trying to coexist the most the biggest threat obviously is this biosyn threat of okay we're gonna control this all the crops in the world and mm-hmm. do all this and you know just it's not about the dinosaurs as you're saying it's about the fact that humans will stop at nothing to ruin everything with money mm-hmm. and you know and just ruin everything all with with greed and as you're saying so you're left with this big you know big thing of like and it, and it's presented again in this very Jurassic Park type of way of like oh we're doing so many great things and you're introduced to Dodgson again which we got Dodgson here we got Dodgson I don't even know I would imagine a lot of people probably don't even get that reference but like this is a character that's been there from the beginning, literally. Um, and you know, he's presented as kind of a nice, nice guy, whatever else. And Jurassic Park fans that have seen the movie, the original movie, that was like, Dutchin, isn't he the guy that's like doing all the shady stuff, trying to steal from InGen and whatever else? So you know something's up from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh that just spirals out of control. Um and and then I was just like, "Hey, it's Peter Parker's dad. He's engineering dinosaurs now." <laughs> I didn't even make that connection. 
I was I was so obsessed with the with the notion that he went from being delivery man in 1993 to being CEO. Well, like, I, mean, I guess all the competition died out, you know. Maybe, Nedry, Nedry, maybe and, uh, Hammonds and all those and Lockwood. Yeah, I guess so. He was able to just slowly climb the ladder until he was at the top rung. But I really feel like he comes across almost like a Steve Jobs type of CEO. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like when he when he in, when he when he introduces himself um, to to Alan and Ellie, he like leans over and he and he looks at um, his assistant. What's his name? Uh, Ramsey, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he looks over and he's like, "You have any food?" <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, the guy, the guy, the guy generally looks like Tim Cook, the the current CEO of Apple. Okay, he kind of looks like him. So the yeah. the, the the whole general like eccentric CEO of a giant corporation is definitely like he gives that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. He he completely does. And and it's it's so funny the way that he like carries himself because he carries himself as a, like this eccentric CEO type of character and, and and it ends up becoming his downfall. You know, he, he's so prideful and he's so sure of himself and his company and so sure that, you know, even setbacks can can lead to greater things. He doesn't even have the wherewithal to suspect anybody that close to him of deceiving him. And honestly, that is such a huge compliment, Alex. Thank you. Um I appreciate that we're not going off on like crazy tangents and that it's actually making a little bit of sense to what we're talking about. Um, I appreciate you sticking with us, even in spoiler territory. Apparently we're not dumb and crazy. Apparently not. Um, But Dodson was Dodson was kind of dumb and crazy because, you know, he he didn't suspect that his his right hand would betray him. But there was a, a certain Dark Lord of the Sith that definitely suspected that. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I kind of like the theme, the overall theme of like, he was the only bad guy. He was the only, he was the guy at the top doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Everyone around him saw what he was doing and wasn't keen on doing it. You know, right. you have Ramsey turns against him. Malcolm is there only to spy on him, basically, knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, you know, again, the fact that this guy is that stupid that he thinks that Malcolm likes him, okay? Ian Malcolm, the one guy that was like, like John Hammond, I like you, but you're you're playing God and you're bad. Like, you know, this is the guy that's been from day one has been preaching against any of this stuff, you know? And then all the way down to Henry Wu. Like, Henry Wu actually has, like, a moment of, 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 redemption of saying he's, he's, so burnt out. he's like he's like no i don't want to do this anymore and i want to fix this like so i i can't help but wonder if he only regrets the locust thing like he's the one who engineered the locust he didn't anticipate it turning into a a famine like swarm but everything else he's always felt completely justified like he he feels that he is a a top leading geneticist that he is one of the brightest minds in his field like the 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 pride and the swagger that he carries himself with in the first two movies is completely different from the way he carries himself in the final film and 
I really believe that the only way we got creatures like the Pyroraptor, the Giga, and the Therizinosaurus is because of his genetics work. Because his team was able to put put together the genomes properly. So he's been working at Biosyn, and he's been working on new dinosaurs. But the one thing he regrets is the thing that could end up affecting all of mankind. So it's fascinating to see his character arc, because for the longest time, he's been super prideful. And in this one, he's remorseful, almost. Yeah. And, And it's really hard to trust him. Like, as we saw at the end of the movie, Malcolm, ever the contrarian, he looks at him, he's like, oh, no, him? No, 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 not him. No, not him. It's so funny. Uh, honestly, yeah. honestly, I feel like Goldblum is probably like the MVP of this movie. He really is. Like, like when he comes in, he is monologuing. Like, how better of a way to bring Ian Malcolm back into the fold than by giving a speech and giving Jeff Goldblum the opportunity to monologue? Like, I love the, the one of my favorite moments in the movie is one where um, he just meets. He, he he just meets with Laura Dern and Sam Neill, and they're walking through the compound. And, and it's funny. I would just listen to a podcast with uh, – uh, for those of you who want to check it out, Happy Sad Confused podcast had uh, had Jeff Goldblum on it. He was like peak Bull Goldblum, okay? He was great. <laughs> so it was a great listen. And he talked about how the fact that he came up with this line, he kind of quoted somebody else. But then I think work with Colin Trevor would actually include it in the movie. And it's when they're walking away, he's like, oh, you know, things are darkest right before eternal nothingness or something like that. <laughs> and uh, and Alan's right behind him. He's going, what? What did you just say? What? <laughs> like, Alan's just done with him already. It's like, what are you saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love I love Ian Malcolm. He's always been one of my favorite characters. And, and the way Goldblum portrays him is just absolutely perfect. And yes, he is absolutely a legend. And and the way that he carries himself in this movie, um, there are times where he's very heroic, like we mentioned mm-hmm. with the with the, with the flare and the flaming spear, and the the driving off into the forest to go and help save his friends right after he gets fired. Like like he he is he is playing the hero, but he's also kind of like the voice of reason in certain instances because. He he listens to Chris Pratt and he goes, "You made a promise to a dinosaur." <laughs> like the way he states it and almost phrases it like a question, like half phrases it as a question. You're like, "Huh?" You know, when you put it that way, it is kind of crazy. And that it's also the most gold bloom delivery ever. He's like, "But no, you, no. you you made a a, a promise to to to, to a dinosaur." <laughs> The most Goldblum delivery, and I told Mondo this, and I still swear by this. I think there's a scene in the tunnel right after they escape the Giga where he just improvs the line. Like, he just straight up improvs because right after he inter- like he's kind of questioning Owen a little bit, and he's like, so you, uh, you just uh, communicated with the... Uh, the raptors and they 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 did what you told them to do and he's like it's a relationship built on trust like he's trying to defend himself and his actions and then just out of nowhere goldblum just says something like 
I had a dog once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It uh, <laughs> it humped my legs so much that uh, it started chafing. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? That's, what? that's the most Goldblum line ever. <laughs> and then, like, right before they cut out of it, he looks over at Pratt and he goes, true story. <laughs> I was like, I bet it was, Jeff. I bet that was a true story. Like, the way that, that Goldblum is able to incorporate himself into Ian Malcolm's character is just as seamless and flawless as it could perfectly be. Like, his his charisma and his carry was able to help carry other people through certain scenes. And it was it was just a delight to watch. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it, that the whole the whole cast. I mean, they all get their moment. They all get a chance to kind of do their whole thing. Mm-hmm. Especially Alan, and, and you know, the, the, he's he's kind of like same old, same old. With he, he's kind of a little bit of a curmudgeon, <laughs> just kind of going along with this. And he's probably not happy that dinosaurs in the mainland now. And you know, he's he's having to live with them. And then you have Ellie, and I, I honestly, I didn't see it coming. Well, I did. Once I started watching the movie, I'm like, okay, they're telegraphing this, like, painfully clear that, like, oh, <laughs> she's divorced now, and all this kind of stuff. And then they land on top of each other, and they're kind of, their faces are a little too close together. They're doing the movie thing, and uh, they, they did it, man. They actually, like, they finally, like, the age-old fan theory... I guess, or just like the fan assumption that, oh, they're together. No, they're not. No, Jurassic Park 3 was like, no, 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 she's married with the kids. Now they are. I, I honestly, I love it. It's great closure for their character arc that we've been following for nearly 30 years because like you said, Jurassic Park 3 was, and when we did our Jurassic Park 3 discussion, I touched on this a little bit. It was supposed to be a contrast showing Alan what kind of life he could have had if he had chosen Ellie over dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And and if he had chosen her, that would be his kid. And he would be the one coming home and watching Barney with his kid. But he chose a life of paleontology. He chose a life of adventure. He chose a life of dinosaurs. And he ended up stuck in a river with a Spinosaurus. Right. So like that, those cut scenes going back and forth are a visual depiction of the two lives and which one Alan chose. And I would imagine that for the next 15, 20 years, he lived in regret after getting off of that island. Like, he lived in gratitude and regret. And when he found out that it's over between Ellie and Mark, you could, like, visibly see in his face that he was, like, excited but had to play it down. He was like, he's like, oh, 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 oh. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Like, yeah, it's like you when know, he was like that the meme. You know, it's like when your when your crush breaks up with her boyfriend. Like, yes, I gotta play it straight though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, pretty much. And I actually kind of appreciated that they put the mission first to a certain extent. Like, they didn't try to force the romance in the middle of the action. Right. You know, they're trying to solve the mystery. They're trying to escape the dinosaurs. There are some things that get eluded, like in the Amber Caves, where Maisie's looking at them and like, so you have kids, but not with him? 
<laughs> like there are right. there are little lines like that that make you realize Maisie they belong. Maisie is together. all of us. Maisie is all of us. Like watching all these movies, going like, "Wait, you two are together, but you're not together. You have mm-hmm. kids, but not like what's going on here?" Right. And and they wait until the end of the movie, but they do finally get together. And that type of closure is the type of stuff that I found satisfying about yeah. this movie. That that's that's where the word satisfied comes from. I was glad that that was finally resolved. I was satisfied with the escape from where they from where they were from the preserve or whatever they called it. I was satisfied with the escape and the way that it came about. A lot of times you see an escape vessel like a helicopter and you don't have a pilot. Well, surprise, we actually got um, DeWanda Wise as Kayla, the pilot. We actually have a pilot that can fly us out of this place. And she plays a pretty good role in this as well, being somebody that helps them in Malta, somebody that flies them to Biosyn, and then somebody that helps fly them out of their, their plight at the end of the film. She plays an important role. And I was glad to see her become an addition to the franchise. I really liked her character. I liked the addition of, of her, you know, because, you know, it was kind of like, it's kind of the throwing all these characters together and kind of expected. I think she was kind of a wild card character of like, okay, where, where is she going? And giving her her own little character arc of like, she's kind of, party to all this corruption and all this stuff that's going on with dinosaurs and she kind of sees it up close and personal and has some regrets and she decides hey i'm not gonna do this anymore yep and just having like like we have a lot of different archetypes in the jurassic park movies you know there's yeah. the scientists there's the paleontologists there's you know uh, raptor trainers and business you know professionals or whatever else we haven't really seen a badass a pilot bounty hunter person, but that's what she is, and that's really cool. And I, honestly, looking ahead, I don't think I, I think just like with any franchise, Jurassic Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, whatever they're going to call it in the future, it's not over. We will get more movies. We will oh, more definitely stuff. not. Oh. Definitely not <laughs> over. That, that 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 actually is a good segue because I wanted to touch on like the the box office mojo right. and just kind of get a report. On. While you're looking that up, I will just say that I think for the original cast, I think they're pretty much done. I think they've had their last hurrah. I don't. I don't think they're going to get Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Black in a in the capacity they were in this movie. They might have cameos in the future. Like that. And you know who knows? Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. They've both got a lot going on. Who knows if they want to really come back and and do more of these movies? They may be busy. I think DeWanda Wise is like the likely choice of someone to carry this franchise forward and Her, working this Jurassic world. I think she would be a fascinating character to follow in the future. I think, I think her and Maisie could be yeah. like some of the anchors of, of the new franchise for sure. And I want to touch on Maisie's storyline as well, because right. that that's, that's another really interesting piece of the puzzle here, but um, touching on your idea that this franchise is not over um far from it because it's been open for a week like it it came out on 
third well, there was like Thursday releases, but it officially came out on on Friday the tenth. Um, and in that time span, domestically, it has already made what its production budget was in wow. one week. In one week, domestically, it, its its shooting budget was one hundred and eighty million dollars. And then they spent another hundred million on marketing, like global marketing. So in the first week of releasing in the states, it's already made a hundred ninety-one million. Wow! And worldwide, it had a global release before you know all of our before all of us here in the states got to see it. Um, and so the global release is almost four hundred thirty-nine million so you take away the 180 for shooting and the 100 million for marketing in one week maybe two weeks depending on how long it's been out internationally in a fortnight a less than that it has already profited over 150 million dollars wow this franchise is not dead by any stretch of the imagination when you have that kind of a moneymaker, when you have a chance at getting three quarters of a billion dollars before its theatrical run ends, there is no way in hell that they're going to stop making these pictures. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. It, it is a freaking moneymaker, and they are going to keep making money off of it. It is going to happen. You can take that to the bank. There will be more dinosaurs probably within the next five to ten years. Yeah, I think I think they're take a little break after this, but I think there's more. There, like at this point, no franchise is ever going away. There's franchises that have not been successful that have continued. You know, like so, <laughs> like the curious. Yeah, I mean, and like I'm, I'm thinking of like Terminator and stuff like that. Like there's these franchises that like are seen in like. G.I. Joe. Exactly. Like way past considered way past their prime and, and you know haven't produced a good movie in so long, yet they're continuing to make the movies because, well, they make money. They're recognizable franchises. They're gonna keep going with this. And like hate the Jurassic World movies all you want. They make oodles of money. That's the reason they kept making freaking Transformers movies because they were always the like the top grossing movie at the box office every year. So of course they kept making them. Yep. Um, have you not watched Jurassic Park? That's all about money. If it makes money, it's gonna it's gonna be made. It's gonna okay? happen. Money makes yep. the world go round. The Jurassic World go round. Yep, yep, it does. And I'm the dumbass that keeps this thing in business because I go see it four times in four days in four different formats. Look, and I'm. I am not I am not feeling guilty about this at all because out of all the things we mentioned, I think this franchise pretty darn strong. And I would love to see it continue in some way. I I would too. Um and part of the reason why is because um Isabella Sermon, who plays Maisie Lockwood. Right. She puts a very interesting new twist on where the franchise could go because she represents a successful human clone. They're not just replicating dinosaurs anymore. They're using this genetic power on people, 
which I feel like is something that Ian Malcolm was alluding to back in the 90s. And it finally came true. It finally happened. And instead of it being like a mystery, like they had it in Fallen Kingdom, there's actually some development. You find out more about Charlotte Lockwood. You find out more about who, you know, Maisie was brought up to be, who Charlotte was brought up to be. And I feel like it's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But I feel like if they wanted to, they could theoretically do like a Charlotte Lockwood origin story with Isabella Sermon playing Charlotte instead of Maisie. Yeah, I I really liked how they did that in the movie where, you know, they kind of made her up to look a little older and, you know, had her playing her mother. And, you know, that was really cool. And, And connecting it back to the the original movie and having her be at Jurassic Park and kind of kind of reverse engineering the story. Obviously the Lockwood kind of story was kind of invented for Fallen Kingdom from what I understand. Mm-hmm. But like reverse engineering that to say, okay, this was always part of it. And she was there and you know, and she was this brilliant scientist who made all this happen. And the real revelation that, you know, because that's the whole thing with that. And it's understandably so when you find out you're literally in a lab like that's a pretty big deal but then to come out and say hey no you had a mother you were born like everyone else yes mm-hmm. you were a close yes, you were engineered to an extent but you know you came out just like everybody else and but you know what doors that opens up and what that means and i was thinking you know like hey she's if she's a copy of her mother then she's probably just as smart if not smarter than her like i right. see i see Maisie being a brilliant scientist in the near future um, herself and maybe being kind of front and center of this, not only as this first human clone, but also as someone who is kind of felt kin to the dinosaurs and also is a brilliant scientist that could be kind of the leader in this. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree. There's a lot of, potential for where they can take this franchise and i think that's one of the things that excites me is that i i did not want the franchise to be done necessarily just selfishly just because i enjoy seeing dinosaurs i enjoy chase scenes i enjoy the music michael giacchino was able to blend john williams's original score for the original cast and kind of blend it with some of the stuff that we got from uh, Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom and and was able to turn it into one musical score that was very enjoyable. I wouldn't call it like a John Williams masterpiece, but it was very enjoyable and it was very respectful. And so there's just a lot of elements about this type of movie that I really enjoy and I didn't want it to be over. So I'm glad that there is enough of a door open that they could go that direction if they wanted to, but they also closed enough doors in this film to make you feel like there is some closure to the story that they were trying to tell. It's a very delicate balance for any movie series, for any franchise, to try and do both of those things. And for these guys to do it the way that they did, I I was pretty impressed. Now, 
with that being said, we've got a group chat called the Jurassic Boys, which I think we need to rename because a lot of people are crapping on this movie in that chat. There's but, some of you, some people are like seemingly just to be contrarian, are not seeing the movie for some reason. <laughs> I, I'm not referring to anyone in particular, of course. Mm, definitely not, but they know who they are. Um, but in that in that chat, I posited the idea that we take a very established and and successful um, director and maybe have them helming it instead of an action type of director like Colin Trevorrow is. Let's have a little bit more suspense. Let's have a little bit more post-apocalyptia to it. And who better to do that than the guy who did the last two movies from the Planet of the Apes reboot and just had a very successful run with a little movie called The Batman. Matt Reeves, I think, would be an excellent choice to pick up the franchise and move forward with it. I love that idea. I love that idea so much. I'm a I'm a big fan of of Matt Reeves. Um, I have been for a while ever since I saw, you know, those 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 uh, apes movies. So like, oh, man, that would be really cool. And that's what I kind of hope that they that they do is just like, you know, keep continue these movies, let them continue to go. But inject some new blood in there you know nothing against colin trevorrow i i like what he's done for the most part at these movies but you know get, get some get some new blood in there and you know maybe give you know give isabella sermon the 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 reins and let her be the lead and you know do that more and who knows there's a lot of different possibilities here and i think i think my only i think my only like disappointment with the movie I have two disappointments. One, no Spinosaurus. Okay. Really wanted a Spinosaurus, even though the, that is almost canceled out by the fact that it's some really cool dinosaurs. I don't know what any of the names are, but like the ones with the giant claws, like the Wolverine dinosaur, they just swats at things. And then he, then the T-Rex knocks them into the spines. And like that dinosaur is freaking epic. And that whole scene with Bryce trying to evade him, just amazing. Um, but that like not having uh Spino, I think I, I would love to see Spino, even though we did get some overt references to Jurassic Park three, mm-hmm. but also just the I would love to have seen more of like what we saw in um what's the the short film um Battle at Big Rock Battle at Big Rock and even some of the stuff we saw in the 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 uh, the, the prologue that was released mm-hmm. more humans and dinosaurs interacting. Either yeah. good ways or bad ways. I think this movie had its so much going on. It had focused, had to focus on here's the threat and here's the yeah. characters. It didn't really yeah. have time for it, even though it had two and a half hours of time to, to devote to it. It still it devoted all that time to that. I think more so going into okay, what's the world like now? Mm-hmm. We see, you know, this we news reports, and we see uh, pterodons nesting on top of the World Trade Center. You know, there's all kinds of stuff happening, really crazy stuff. I would I would love to see more of that. Um, and we didn't get just didn't get a whole lot of it. It's kind of like stuff at the beginning, stuff at the end, bookending it. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's 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 a minor, minor complaint. Well, but I think it's justified because I think that's what a lot of people were going into this movie expecting. I think with the dinosaurs being released into the world, they weren't expecting to see a movie about them being corralled up and being put on a isolated game preserve in the valley of these mountain regions in Italy. Like, I don't think that's 
the direction people thought it was going to go. I think they were anticipating it to be more like um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes or Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, where you know humans and the other species are now interacting and they're clashing, and you have to figure out how they're going to coexist. And you know, eventually, it, it shows that you really, you really can't. Even though you must, it's very difficult to do. And um, I'm with you that they could have done more, but I also think that since Matt Reeves already has experience in doing that with the Planet of the Apes franchise, if he was to helm up some of the next stuff, I hope that that's the stuff that he would explore because he's got expertise in doing that with the Apes franchise already. I just, I like, man, like the second Apes movie where they go in and the virus is spread and now it's like post-apocalyptic and you know, they're, they're in this bombed out San Francisco. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here or that I want it to happen, but it's, it's definitely tempting of like, where could this go? Could this still be, can, can they coexist or will this, uh, or will this, turn into disaster sooner rather than later you know that's an interesting thing or you know could it be something along the lines of you know kind of toying with that idea of like where this could actually be the end of humanity maybe who knows maybe dinosaurs will take over maybe this this doesn't work this movie definitely presents a more hopeful environment and more hopeful Mm -hmm. message towards the end which i like i think I think overall we need that. We need that in the world right now for sure. And just in, in general, but also I think Jurassic Park is not the type of franchise to depress you. It's there to thrill you and scare you, but at the end of the day to kind of hold a mirror up and say, Hey, let's not do this thing or that thing. And also present of yes, there stuff happens and there's bad people in the world, but ultimately good wins maybe in the end. Um, So I don't know. It's definitely. I feel like it's most of the time. It's definitely a commentary. I I do feel like it, most of the time it's looking at a particular subject, usually genetics, and saying, "This is not how to do it. This is how it's most likely going to go down." But this is not how to do it. And I think that gets lost on people sometimes. That a movie that's got a ton of dinosaurs and it's got a lot of chase scenes and action sequences and and roaring and throwing flaming spikes at it. I think people sometimes lose the idea that there's actually a story that's being told. That there's actually a lesson that's supposed right. to be learned here. And I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again, even though I've said it before. This movie, much like the 1993 film, is a cautionary tale. Yeah. It's saying this could happen if you don't get your act together. It's saying this is what humans are most likely going to do with this power. It's saying you shouldn't do this because look what will end up happening to you and your loved ones. And instead, you focus on, you know, Wolverine, the Therizinosaurus, stabbing and swatting dinosaurs because that's cooler because that's more enjoyable because that's more of the popcorn flick nature of the film. But that is why I suggest two viewings because you get the popcorn flick nature the first time around. 
And then generally by the end of the second time around, you see the other points that they're trying to drive home. Yeah. And there's definitely points that they're trying to drive home. If I haven't expressed that before, this story has a point to it. There's actually underlying messages that you're supposed to take. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I get a little political for you? I'm sorry. There's actually, you know, things that they're trying to say. It's not just purely for entertainment purposes. And and here's the thing. Even though the book and the movie are not the same by any stretch of the imagination, Michael Crichton had this original vision for Jurassic Park, and it wasn't to make people wonder huh, I bet we could do this in real life. It was to make people realize, huh, we probably shouldn't be doing this in real life. Like the original story that Crichton came up with, the original point of the book was to say, yes, we can, but no, we should not. And and again, that goes back to one of Ian's lines from the 93 film. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Sure. They were so preoccupied with the idea of creating locusts and gaining control of, of the world's population, getting a grip on the food market. They were so preoccupied with whether or not they could do that, that they didn't stop to think if they should until it was too late. Yeah. Like, the parallels between these two films are absolutely there. They are absolutely there. But they just don't, I don't know, I wouldn't say beat you over the head with it, quite like has happened in certain movies. But it is absolutely there. And Alex, I agree with you. I hope the franchise keeps going as well. Yeah. I think uh, I think there's more. there's more messages to be had in this movie Mm -hmm. um i think there's more messages to be found in this franchise overall and just not just thing i think but i think one thing that maybe the critics are missing here is just like i think this movie stays true to the to the moral center of this franchise it doesn't lose sight of that i think you could throw a lot of stuff at this movie it's not perfect I've already voiced a couple of my, you know, concerns slash criticisms of it. Yep. Um, not saying it's better than the original because it definitely isn't. Never was going to be, and it's not even my favorite of all of them. But I don't think you can say honestly that this is just some dumb action movie that's a soulless ripoff of the big original or just a soulless sequel or whatever else. Any other thing that people on the internet say just to say it. They don't put any thought behind it. Um, I think it's everything but that. I think it's a movie that knows what it's doing. It, it, the creators understand what this franchise is about, what Jurassic Park, Jurassic World means. And it does a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, it's not going to work everywhere, but you know, um, you know, for the most part, I think this movie is really, really strong in the messaging and in the thing. And it's also a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. It's very entertaining. There's some great, some of the best dinosaur action in the entire franchise is in this movie. Like, freaking airplane getting taken down by a pterodon. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 The plane sequence, I would also say 
that the scene on the ice with uh, with intense. with Owen and Kayla seeing a dinosaur that can swim at the speed that that one was going was crazy. It was so crazy to watch. And then the scene with the Giga. Um, they actually had to create an animatronic Giga for some of those scenes. And some of the shot selection is very parallel to some of the shots that you see in the 93 Park film. Mm-hmm. Like um, the, the T-Rex teeth coming over and you're seeing it kind of grip its way down and it goes underneath the truck and you see it coming from underneath the truck like there's a there's a lot of shots there's a lot of moments that are meant to be like reminiscent but not direct ripoffs or copies of stuff that's been done before and i just appreciated how much effort went into these scenes they may not have been executed perfectly in fact, I would advise people to not see this movie in 3D mm. because there was there was some shortcuts that were made in post-production that are way more noticeable when you're watching it in 3D. So really? if, if possible, avoid seeing it in 3D. But other than that... This it, was a COVID movie. I mean, it, it, just, was. it was made at the peak of that. So. And, and some of the post-production had to be made at home instead of in the studio and you may be a fantastic cgi artist but doing all of that from home instead of in a studio where everything is at your disposal it's noticeable unfortunately yeah and it's even more noticeable in 3d so i think the dolby is the best way to see it if you can afford dolby dolby's like 18 bucks a ticket us right now it's crazy wow but the enhanced picture quality and the enhanced sound is like a surround sound. When some of the dinosaurs are roaring, it vibrates your chair because it's so immersive. Oh, wow. So it is, it is a great experience if you can afford it, but just avoid 3d. If you can, 2d is, is good. IMAX is good. Dolby is the best in my opinion, but try to avoid 3d if you can. Yeah. I, I have not like just in general not enjoyed three three D movies all that much in recent times. I do want to um, see the new Avatar in three D. That like, may be an exception. That that uh, seems like that seems like a movie that's like unless it's like made for three D, like an right. Avatar movie is. Like yeah. I can take or leave three D. Right, really. exactly, exactly. It's not, What's worth, funny, it's not worth the extra money. What's for me. so funny is the best part of my three D viewing experience was watching the Avatar trailer before the movie. <laughs> like the 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 um the way of water or yeah, whatever at, like that, that, that that trailer was awesome to see in 3d and convinced me i have to see it in 3d but like from now until then i have no intention on watching pretty much anything in yeah. 3d yeah, i'm you see i'm already wearing glasses i gotta wear glasses over my glasses, wear glasses like, over glasses. yeah i need yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an ordeal for me so i'm like ah, i don't need that man unless it's mm-hmm. like Unless it's uh, unless it's there's stuff stuff popping out of the screen, uh, I don't need that. But uh, right, um, right. But look, it's. I think we've talked a lot about this movie. Um, I know we're kind of winding down here. I feel like I'm rambling because I do have a whole bunch to say. I could ramble all night about this we movie, could. honestly. Um, because I really, I think, I think you're getting the idea, guys. We enjoyed this movie. Okay, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their 
you know, own thing. I heard people saying, oh, it's the it's the rise of Skywalker of Jurassic movies. I'm like, what do you like? I, like, I didn't care. Like, if it had been actually that bad, I wouldn't care. I was still really looking forward to the movie. And mm. maybe it was because I heard so many bad things about it that I was like going in going, wait, what were you guys talking about? That wasn't it wasn't that bad at all. Like, it was actually kind of good. I kind of actually enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know a lot of people are kind of on the fence about going. I would say definitely go see it. I think if you're if you liked the original movies, if you if you happen to have seen some or all of the Jurassic Park movies, um, it does wrap them all up. It gives a, a nice little bow on the end of this franchise. Yep. It can be added on to, but you know, if this was the last one ever, I'm with you. I feel satisfied. I feel I feel like yep. we got a really good ending to it. So I, you know, I would I would highly recommend it. It's two and a half hours, it's a long movie. Maybe it could have been a little bit shorter. I don't know. I believe but, it's the know, longest in the franchise, isn't it? I would imagine. Because like Jurassic Park 3 is like 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. like super, super short. And this one's like, I mean, it, it has a lot to do. I like, I always am like, did it really need to be that long? But then I'll think it back. I'm like, could they have cut anything out? I don't know. I can't think of anything that was like not, you know, ultimately um, unimportant to throw in there. But uh, yeah, I I enjoyed it. Um, do I don't know? Do we want to like go? Do you have a favorite scene? You have like a favorite uh, moment? yeah yeah we can do we can do favorite moments before we do favorite moments final thoughts and planet scores though we should give some shout outs to the people that help make this show possible uh big thanks Absolutely. to uh joey mays and, and jesse bennett for their support of the show they are both at the shout out friend tier on our patreon page the link is below in the little lower third right next to our social at ipc podcast if you want exclusive group access if you want behind the scenes info if you want to have input on show topics if you want top billing on our top five segments, then you can get all that and more by going to patreon.com slash IPC podcast. And then uh, I also have to give a little personal shout out because um, next week I am going to be a guest on our friend Jesse's podcast, Question Possible Answer. Oh, We are discussing the lost world and coming up with hypothetical scenarios and questions based around that movie so i need to go back and watch it again i've watched it recently but i need to go back again so i can come up with like actual questions for the scenario he's got several really good ones already so uh if you want to hear some of these hypothetical questions such as what if this person wasn't in the movie then go to their uh, socials on facebook and instagram just search for question possible answer and then you can listen to it wherever local podcatchers can be found but one of their upcoming episodes is going to feature yours truly. Nice. Love okay, it. favorite favorite scene in Jurassic World Dominion. Um, I I I want to say it's the it's the scene in the forest with the Therizinosaurus. Cool. I I really I really like the idea that. You can have a plant-eating dinosaur that is still aggressive and territorial. This thing is super intimidating, and it's not even a carnivore. And I, I just found that concept extremely fascinating. And, and it was one of those clinching scenes for me that helped me realize Bryce Dallas Howard was kind of stealing the show. Like, she had some great, like, person-to-person -person interactions, like with Kayla over in Malta, 
She she had some great moments with Maisie and Owen. Um, but then to have certain interactions that is just her versus nature and it being a creature as intimidating as the Therizinosaurus, um, that scene was just it was it was fantastic sound, it was fantastic intensity. Um, I just that scene also sets up the final battle at the end because you see what the Therizinosaurus is capable of. And then when she and the T-Rex team up, you actually see them being put into use. And so to like have that scene be the tone, the, the tone setter, it really, really helped like with the engagement of some of the other scenes moving forward too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I that whole that whole sequence of like, and that's that's the worst nightmare. That is your worst nightmare: being lost in the woods by yourself. I'm speaking of, of course, about the 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 Claire scene. Mm-hmm. Um, just being lost in the woods by yourself in a woods full of dinosaurs. That is that is terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying, and uh, she handles it like a champ. But man, it's you know I, I do, I do really love that moment where she's kind of crawling and she goes into the water and the the really, really wonderful shot composition of just like oh, yeah. when it's above the water and he roars. It's her just kind of like holding her breath, like please go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just yeah, it's it's really really great. Um. I'm trying to think of another scene because, like, that's that's really great. Um, I I actually like. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff I like. Uh, you know, the, Rexy coming back. I think was because I, I I actually forgot about Rexy. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, they have the the T Rex is here. There you go. Um, that that Rexy that, Rexy versus Rexy Giga always got to win the day. Rexy versus Giga 2.0 was was really fun to watch the whole escape sequence. There was a money shot where they got like the little waterfall coming out of the circle and Rexy kind of walks behind it and you like see the the Again, logo shot, within the man. circle. This is such a good shot. It was such a fun shot to see. I really, really enjoyed that. And um, we haven't really touched on it all that much aside from alluding to it, but the, the chase scene in Malta was really fun too. Like I, it, yeah, that was long and I mean so great. Ten minutes from That's when the ten minute one. I was wondering from when from when the action starts to when the plane takes off and they are safe. That is like a ten minute thirty second long fight sequence, and it is the longest in the Jurassic franchise, and just one of the longer action sequences you'll see in cinemas. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty really good. Like, it's and pretty, it's like it's crazy. so intense. Like it just doesn't stop. Here's a dark horse for you, and and this is just me spitballing other scenes that I really enjoyed, and I, I don't mean to be taking up your airtime. No, uh, no, perfectly fine. But when Alan and Maisie and Owen triangulate Beta, I like that. I like it because uh, Mondo pointed this out to me at one point when Owen tells them that they need to triangulate so that he can tranquilize her, Alan puts his hand out just like Maisie's doing. 
and there's a split second where when they start splitting up, Alan's eyes kind of light up a little bit, and he's got just the faintest grin, and it's like this, oh crap, I'm really doing this type of moment. <laughs> like, he goes from studying raptors to uh, evading them to communicating with them in Jurassic Park 3, and now he's corralling one. Like, the evolution of Grant's affinity for raptors kind of culminates in going from monologuing about how raptors triangulate on you to now being somebody that triangulates a raptor. That is full circles character arc storytelling, and I thought it was freaking brilliant. Oh yeah, that's great. I I I, I love uh, Maisie's like willingness to go down there and and do that and mm-hmm. uh, take up take up after her dad, and it's just great. And and it's funny. I saw actually a clip that like totally like made that make sense because it's Chris Pratt, not Owen. Chris Pratt on set explaining how that works. Mm-hmm. Like, as if he is actually a dinosaur expert. He is Owen Grady doing this. He's like, oh, yeah, you hold it right here. You put your hand out. You kind of, you put him in, you know, in your in your shot. And that all they see is a head. And so you're trying to get them to focus on you. And you're trying to make them seem like they're you're bigger than them. And you're in control. And I'm like, dang, this guy knows what he's talking about. Like, And uh, he's teaching the old guys some new tricks. He's, he's done his research, and it, it pays off in a, in a really, really good scene, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I liked it. Yeah. And I, and I also liked how I think Jurassic movies have used the raptors as a – raptors are so terrifying. I mean, you mm-hmm. have the kitchen scene in the original movie. It's They're so terrifying. They can – you, you you can't run from them. You can't do anything. They're so, you know, they'll kill you in an instant um, and they're hunting you or whatever else. And, you know, some of them just kill for sport. You know, I like that this movie didn't rely on the Raptors. Blue is in it, but she's not in it a whole lot. She's in kind the of beginning sandwiching the almost like at the beginning and then at the end. And like the MacGuffin of the movie is a Raptor, but there's no like Raptors, you know, Owen, like I love how Owen just like constantly he just puts up his hands anytime there's a dinosaur. When the when the Toro comes out in the in the thing, when they they bust it open and the Toro is like comes roaring out, he's like, oh, oh, he's like trying to control the he's situation. Put, he's putting his he's putting his hands out like that, and I'm like, really? They don't know you. They're not going to do that. But it's just his instinct. That's who yeah. he is. That's what he yeah. does. I love that. But I love I like that that the the Raptors being the great antagonists that they were weren't relied upon in this movie. They were you know, you know, weren't even really part of that much. You have a lot, it gave more airtime to a lot of other dinosaurs that we hadn't seen before, which was great. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, I believe there's 16 different species that get prominently featured slash talked about in this film. And that doesn't even include the locusts. Yeah. So... And the only, the only ones that like are old school that get, time is of course rexy because how could you not and also there's a freaking dilophosaurus okay and there's a bunch of them there's a bunch of them now there's a whole crew of dilophosauruses dude (laughs) dodson dodson meeting his demise almost in a very similar way to the way nedry met his demise in 93 he's he's alone his vehicle stopped working 
He's being corralled by a Dilophosaurus. He escapes back into his vehicle. He gets spit on. He drops the Barbasol can. And the last thing he sees is a Dilophosaurus in his face. Yeah. Like, there are so many parallels to Nedry's death. We heard about you. We met your friend. (laughs) Like, what's so fun is Claire is just waiting for the ladder to drop so she can get to safety in the outpost. And while she's waiting, all we hear is the little chirp that we have not heard you know what it is. You know you who know it is. instantly what it is just from the chirp that you haven't heard in 29 years, unless you watched Camp Cretaceous, in which case you heard it last season. But right. for the most part, you haven't heard that sound in 28, 29, 30 years. And then when it when it happens, you instantly know that something bad is about to happen. And that's just and that. I love the- that was great. I love that Owen just grabs it by the throat and chucks it. <laughs> and then like yells at the other one and scares it off. I'm like, wow, this dude is pretty apex. Like he's not, he's not the apex, but he's pretty apex. And it's, it's yeah. pretty awesome. And he just has the guts. Like he's not like any more powerful than anybody else. He just ha- has like, he understands you have to like, you have to show them who's boss. I love like when the, the, the Giga's like attacking them. They're like, oh hell no. He starts like, you know, stabbing it with stuff and like He's you know, stabbing throwing... it with his knife. Like, <laughs> what is that gonna do? But, That's like I mean, a mosquito bite to him. You may as well fight back. I don't know. Do whatever you can. But I really liked again Claire and the girl power. She gets a taser and tasers it in the freaking eyeball, dude. Oh, yeah. She goes for the sensitive part. Like, Jeez. That was so brilliant. I loved it. I loved it. I heard somewhere that Trevorrow wrote that whole scene. He wow. like the, the script making was a coordinated effort with him and somebody else. And he told her, okay, for this scene, just give me like um, five page breaks and I'll fill it in myself. And he just, he just wrote the whole scene on his own. So that 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 scene with the Giga was a hundred percent Trevorrow. That's cool. That's great. Okay, well, I think we're about time for uh, final thoughts and planet scores before we go into like maybe a little bit of a barbecue segment before we close out the night. Um, probably won't be too long though because we've been keeping our listeners up for almost two hours already. Um, Ben, what would your what would your final thoughts and your rating out of ten be for Jurassic World Dominion? Who, um, I think overall, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I think it was a, a great, satisfactory ending to the Jurassic six movie franchise as it's been, and you know, and it kind of comes back around and you know gives at least most of not all the characters kind of a, a good little ending and also gives us some some great dinosaur action some great dinosaurs some we've never seen before some we had seen before we hadn't seen in a while mm-hmm. and i think rightfully so kind of focuses a lot on the human element and gives that the overall you know kind of arc a very very again satisfactory um conclusion so i I really like this one. Like I said, I'm not I'm not saying it's in my top top two. I think I think if I had to have like a like number one, like it's not even when you're creating a like a list of top Jurassic Park movies, I feel like everyone's gonna have Jurassic Park at number one. Yeah, they should. So like just just make it you know, just like, like just number that Jurassic Park stood. 
everything else. <laughs> just that's understood. Number one, like we'll focus on number two, three, and four. Like so, and I, I, I think maybe Jurassic World's probably my number two. Um, and I don't know, maybe this one, this one might make it number three or number four. I'm not sure. Um, I think I have appreciation for all of them and things. I think maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to rank them right now. We'll, we'll save that for the top five Jurassic Park movies uh, episode down the line, because um, now there, now there, now there is actually we can we can do a top five and not conclude all of them for the first. Yeah, time. that's true. That's true. But you know what's going to end up not getting in there for me? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I might agree with you. Might agree with you. Who knows? Anywho, this movie was good. I'm sorry, it was. I'm sorry, critics. It was actually enjoyable and good and you know it was it was a fun time um i think this movie while not perfect by any means it it did the job and i'm looking forward to seeing it again sometimes so i will give it i'll give it an eight out of ten that's fair that's very very close to what the rotten tomato score is at 78 percent, and eight out of ten would be 80 percent. so i mean that is practically up there with the way other people are receiving it. And I'm, I'm not that far off from you, to be honest. Um, I, I was satisfied. I was thrilled. I had some senses of peril. I had some senses of adventure. I had a compelling commentary slash storyline. Uh, I had good characters. I had original characters that um, played their parts well, but didn't overshadow the primary characters. Um, they had their moments that were brilliant, but they didn't like become the movie, in my opinion. There are some people that would probably disagree that think they did, um, you know, kind of overshadow the OG cast. But the way that Bryce Dallas Howard played her part uh, and the way that Isabella Sermon played Maisie Lockwood, I, I really think if anybody took a back seat, it would be Chris Pratt. But that's hard to do because he's such a charismatic actor that he just kind of commands attention on the screen whenever he's there. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I feel like they they balanced it really well. And yeah, it's no lightning in a bottle Jurassic Park 1993. And to to me the closest approximation anything ever came was when they actually successfully opened the park and then all hell broke loose. So Jurassic World is solidly number 2 for me. But after four viewings in 4 days on four different formats, I would say this is number 3 out of 6 for me. This is the third spot, pretty solidly, followed by The Lost World, Fallen Kingdom, and Jurassic Park 3. And, you know, Jurassic Park is near flawless. Like, it's it's a 9.5, 9.9, whatever you want to call it. Um, Jurassic World. Uh, what's funny is I originally, back in 2015, do you remember Time Hop? Yeah. Where you, where you can see your previous posts from different social media. Um, about seven years ago, I made a Facebook post that um, gave Jurassic World an 8.5. And right now I'm rating it around a nine. It's 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 a pretty it's a pretty solid film. Um, but that means there's a spot available in that 8.5 region because I've got the Lost World closer to an eight. And so for me, uh, Dominion is pretty much an 8.5 out of 10. It's not perfect. There are some storytelling things that I wish they had done differently or done more of. Um, but overall, I was very satisfied with what I saw. I enjoyed it. I would consider getting it on Blu-ray, which is high praise. Uh, not Blu-ray, 4K. 
I've got a lot of stuff on Blu-ray these days, but not a lot on 4K. And I would actually consider getting this movie on 4K so I could see it in the best definition possible. So, yeah. Eight, eight for you, 8.5 for me. For those of you who are tuning in on your podcatchers, be sure to hit us up on social media and let us know what you rate this movie out of 10. I know there's not a whole lot of people live watching right now, but we appreciate those who have stuck with us throughout the whole evening. Alex, thank you for being a trooper and being a part of this evening's festivities with us. And uh, to everyone else that was a part of the evening, we appreciate you as well. But if you're listening after the fact, then hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at IPC Podcast. Go find the Intergalactic Peace Hangout group on uh, on Facebook and, and join the conversation there as well. And let us know what you thought of this movie. Indeed. Okay, Ben, um, this is going to be an abbreviated barbecue watch because I know we got to shut down. We're coming up on two hours. Do you yeah. remember... Do you remember the 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 barbecue spit that was kind of spitting like a rotisserie in the black market scene in Malta? Oh, I did notice that. I was trying to see like what was on the spit, but I don't think I caught it. Well, I guess that means that can be the subject for hashtag BBQ watch. Barbecue. Barbecue. I saw it four times, and for sure, I saw a leg of some kind oh. that, that looked like one of those giant turkey legs you can get at the fair, but I am quite certain that was dinosaur. It didn't say, yeah. and I didn't hear anybody say, like, specifically, this is dinosaur leg, but one of the other things I saw was a locust on a spit. A locust? They took what? one of they took one of those giant oversized two foot long locusts, ran a pole through it, and slow cooked it on a rotisserie to sell on the black market. Who is eating that? I Fair don't know. Barbarians. I don't know, dude, but I know I sure as heck wouldn't. I've heard that crickets are pretty high in protein, but I would never go anywhere near one of those things. Like the the scene in the lab with with Alan and Ellie where he has to like reach into the grass and pull one of those suckers out i was like i could not do that i have a thing about bugs and when they are that big i am going the opposite direction in fact my fiance said if they ever do get that big just kill me and be done with it yeah yeah i hate i like they those are the worst like those flying things like grasshoppers locusts they're the worst and so, those yeah, roaches she, that have wings and fly around. Those, I'm, with, I'm with her. Like, uh, they bring them back, these prehistoric no. giant locusts? Yeah, shoot me. I'm done. Yeah, no. I'm not, I'm not sticking around for that apocalypse. Zombies I could deal with, but not giant locusts. Definitely not eating those. But it does bring up an interesting question, and I'll pose it to those in the chat that are still with us, uh, Alex in particular. Thank you for your kind words, Alex. We appreciate you. Um. One of the other items that I saw was a dinosaur leg. So my BBQ watch question 
would be what dino, if slow cooked, would you consider eating a leg of? That's okay. So I'm going to say, okay, what? Okay, dino nerd, I'm going to pick your brain. <laughs> what was the name of the dinosaur that attacked them on the ice? I want to say that was the Pyroraptor. Oh, that's that's a really great name. <laughs> it kind of um, it kind of looked like kind of looked like it had flames coming off of it, didn't it? I'm gonna say that the Pyroraptor would taste like chicken because I mean, it's kind of it's, it's like a big bird. It's kind of like a big turkey. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm thinking thinking that's my logic anyway of like big big turkey looking dinosaur probably tastes like turkey or chicken maybe probably okay yeah i i can see that that would be a heck of a wing to try and eat <laughs> like good luck trying to fry that wing stop but yeah i i can i can totally see that good luck getting it down um but that would that would definitely be fun i think for me i would do um compies the the smaller oh, ones yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that are running around because I think um, there's just enough size and just enough meat that you can kind of work on those kind of like an elbow wing from a from a chicken wing. But um, depending on how big they are, um, you could also probably fry them up like frog legs, Ooh. but they would be dino legs. So I think compy would be my answer. Uh, Alex in the chat says, I would probably stick to an herbivore like a Triceratops or a Stegosaurus. Also a very solid answer, Alex. Thanks for submitting that, and thanks for being a part of this evening. Ben, it's been a heck of a ride, but it's over two hours. We probably need to call it a night, but I am very happy with how tonight's talk went, and I'm looking forward to talking about Camp Cretaceous in about a month, the Jurassic Arc is not quite over yet, um, but the the final season of Camp Cretaceous is supposedly going to have loose ties to both Fallen Kingdom and Dominion. So mm. I'm I'm really curious to see exactly what those ties are and how Trevorrow is able to blend those things together. But in the meantime, because because okay, Fallen Kingdom takes place what a year after. Jurassic World. Uh, six months, I think. Six months. And then this movie takes place four years. Four years. After that. So, so maybe there's a time jump in there to some extent. Maybe or maybe or maybe there's just links to Biosyn or something like that. Like oh, I think I, I think Manticore may be working for or with Biosyn or something like that. We may see a Dodgson cameo or something like that, possibly. So there, there's there's a lot there's a lot of possibilities out there, and we're gonna speculate wildly and then discuss them um, on future episodes of the IPC podcast. Be sure to follow us on those socials I mentioned earlier: IPC podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then you can find me at that username that I have been keeping in my lower third. Pretty much every social platform you could think of: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Venmo, Snapchat, whatever. Um, it's all Zach the voice and uh you can follow me if for some reason you want to at ben hart with no e on 
the Facebook and Instagram and the Twitter. I'm I'm still posting celebration pictures. Okay, I still got a bunch. Okay, I'm gonna be probably posting them for like another two months because I didn't get to post any while I was there. So uh, yeah, I still got a lot to share there. So uh, for so, but usually my Instagram goes dead between vacations. But uh, no, there's actually stuff going on there. So definitely go follow me over there. Um, then follow at the SW for Star Wars. Goodness, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Got got a new review of uh, Obi Wan Kenobi Part Five. I think we actually got an episode where we all agreed on something. Okay, mm. that was that was momentous. So That's definitely though, go check that out. Go check out our review. I think we spent like ninety minutes on one shot. On so, <laughs> oh god, yeah. So it's one of those episodes. So yeah, definitely go check out our uh, review of part five of Obi Wan Kenobi, and then we'll be doing part six in a few days, and because that's coming out, and and then Andor and all kind of stuffs happening. Yeah, yep. and true. then uh, and then also Culture Slate. Yeah, at Culture Slate on on all the socials. Lots of lots of all kinds of news, all kinds of all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Uh, you never know what might come through. So yeah, definitely go check that out. But uh, yeah, this has been fun. I've had as it stands, as it comes down to with so many things, I enjoyed the movie, but I almost enjoyed the discussion even more. And it made me look back on the movie and enjoy it even more and make me want to watch it again. So like these are the best types of discussions, the the ones that just come back around and you're like, Hey, that was really fun. And we had an even more fun discussion just just mm-hmm. talking about it for a couple hours. This is true. And that's what happens when you've been podcasting together for eight years. You you kind of play off each other, feed off each other well, and get each other enthusiastic about whatever franchise you're talking about. So yeah. I'm glad that we were able to do that tonight. Hopefully we did that for all of our listeners as well. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new format that we're testing out. We're going to try out a whole new discussion format that's going to be different from anything we've ever done in IPC's history. So be sure to try and join us live if you can, because it will be a completely different show, but hopefully just as enjoyable as any of the other almost 250 episodes, 350 episodes. Are we at 350 now? I think this is 350, isn't it? Wait, is it? I think this was 350, because I think last, last time was 349, wasn't it? I think you might be right. I think you're right. Yes, I believe you are correct because I'm looking in a folder. I create folders for every episode on, on my desktop, <laughs> and there's there's a 349 folder, and I haven't created 350 yet because it's it's not in it's not in the editing bay yet because we're still mm. making it. But right. uh, yeah, 350. My goodness, 300 episode 350. Jeez, 350 episodes of this crap show, and we're still around. <laughs> You guys are still watching this and listening I to it. I can't believe reason. it. I can't Yeesh. believe it. You guys are awesome, though, and we appreciate everybody that sticks with us on the live programs and everybody that listens to us after the fact. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, as I said, with a brand new show format we're going to be rolling out and testing out. But if you want to hear our lovely voices in the meantime, check out the SW and check out Phantom Empire here because on Monday, I believe, of next week, um, there may be some exclusive content for subscribers and uh, patrons to uh, to kind of keep in the loop about a a new show that's in the works. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't think it's debuting on Monday, but there may be some new information about it. So be on the lookout for a new Game of Thrones theme podcast and the news surrounding that with me and Sean. And uh, yeah, that'll be coming out around the same time that the new show House of the Dragon comes out. So. 
Cool. We're uh, looking forward to that and looking forward to everything else that we're going to be doing here on Phantom Empire and on the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. But I think that's going to do it for episode 350 of the IPC podcast. For my buddy Ben, I'm Zach. Thanking you for tuning in. We hope to see you next time. But until then, good night, everyone. Life will find a way. Good afternoon, evening, morning, whatever time you're listening to this. This is Mondo with the Cretaceous Cosplayers calling to give my two cents about Jurassic World Dominion. So I want to talk about the experience that Zach and I had over the launch weekend of the movie. And as I'm sure it was discussed a little bit... Zach and I actually got to experience this journey, this film, uh, in four different formats at four different theaters in four separate days. Uh, It was a lot of fun. We were both in costume, him as Grant, myself as Nedry, and getting to hear some of the people's reaction when they saw us and realized what we were doing was priceless. Um, There were even a couple people that claimed we made their entire day. So anytime you can do that, super cool, really fun. Um, But to the important thing, and what I'm sure you guys are excited to hear about, because I know I am, is how, uh, what I felt about the film. You know, uh, I really, really liked it. In fact, it's my third favorite Jurassic movie um, of the six. So it's kind of right in the middle. And it's, it's just obviously it's going to be behind the original. I don't think that anything can touch the original. And I, I like Jurassic World a smidge better than this one. Um, but we'll see. Maybe in a year uh, I'll end up flipping the two. Who knows? But uh, So w- with that being said, I would give it about an 8.5. Uh, 8.75, somewhere around there. Um, and 
And there's a lot of things I loved about this film. I loved the the fact that a lot of people's complaint is, oh, it's not about the dinosaurs. But it's about the science of the dinosaurs. It is most definitely still about the dinosaurs. It's just not about the dinosaurs eating people. Um, the the storyline itself is about the science of genetically modifying these creatures and these animals and using it for corporate gain and greed. Um, and it's putting mankind um, on its heels. And it's... Uh, they, they took it a step too far. You know, you would have thought that the dinosaurs alone would have been that, that step. But they, they somehow figured out a way to, to, to screw it up even more. And, and with that, though, I, I love the character interactions. I absolutely loved having the original cast back. Um, I, you know, there were a couple scenes I really enjoyed the relationship between Grant and Ellie, uh, I thought that was awesome. Uh, I I was so happy about that. Uh, I just was, and uh, even with uh, Malcolm and Grant, you know, having that kind of relationship, you know, because if you look back, you know, they they weren't fans of each other, and there's a moment where Grant saves Malcolm. You know, I don't know if that that gets noticed or talked about a lot, um, but that happened. And with that, I kind of felt like that was some really cool character growth, um, at least in the relationship between the two of them. Uh, you know, so so there was that. I loved the dinosaur count. You know, a lot, there's people complaining that there wasn't enough dinosaurs in this film. Dude, there were 14, 15-something scenes that were just proprietary to a dinosaur encounter of some kind. Um I mean, you had dinosaurs eating people. You had dinosaurs stepping on people. It was a lot of fun, uh, especially if you paid attention to the background in some of the scenes, uh, especially in Malta. Uh, you know, you can see Toro. That's Toro, for those of you that don't know. Um, I'm going to die on that hill. Uh, eating the guy that was on fire on the ground like you see it happening. So I thought that was cool. But overall, it was a very fun experience uh it's like you know as i mentioned at the top of this you know zach and i had watched this thing four times and you know the the you know there 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 are some parts of the film i do feel maybe drag a little uh and it's necessary for them too because it's the story that they're telling but there are some lulls in some of the action and drama but Overall, like, I came out of that fourth viewing, and I was like, hot damn. Like, I could actually watch this again and not be, like, I'm not sick of it. Um, you know, now, by the end of it, yeah, sure, I was like, hey, I'd much rather be sitting on my sofa in my boxers playing PlayStation. But at the end of the day, I absolutely love the film. It is going to be a day one 4K steelbook purchase to go in my collection um and you know and one last thing you know i mentioned the four different formats if you have not seen this film yet or if you have and you wanted to take your experience up a notch i recommend taking this film in at the dolby cinema 
Now, with the Dolby, with the clarity and the sharper image of the screen and the, the sound, oh my gosh, uh, there were times where like the, the footsteps and things were incredible with that, you know? Um, and if you haven't seen it yet and you're like, eh, I'm going to go see it and I'm going to go see it in 3D because I think that's going to be the best, don't do that. Please, for the love of God, don't do that. Um, I will say one of the biggest knocks I had against this film is how awful it looked in 3D, especially some of the CGI. Uh, it just did not translate very well. Some parts of it, like the CGI, looked a little sped up to try to compensate for the 3D. In other places, it looked kind of slow. It just looked really inconsistent. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just kind of the way of the world right now because there's people are still kind of segregated um, between work and or in office and home and, and doing things. So, but nonetheless, if you have not seen Jurassic World Dominion and you're like, mm, I don't know, people, well, it's got some mixed things. I highly recommend going to see it. Just remember, though, I'm going with an open mind. It's going to make you think. I've had a lot of people try telling me, oh, man, that plot doesn't make any sense. And, I, and as, as I kind of break it down to them, I can kind of see their face and go, oh, maybe I was wrong. Um, the continuity in the film is actually really awesome. But I'm pushing seven and a half minutes. I have to pee, and I've been holding a fart this entire time. So I'm going to head on out. You can catch me on just about everywhere, gaming-wise, at Mondo24, 2008. Or you can catch me on Facebook and other social medias at Mondo D Comedy. That is right, Mondo D Comedy. So I hope you guys have a wonderful day, evening, night, morning, breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever you're doing right now. And uh, just remember, man, rock on.